welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GNT Show where once again I am joined by my co-host with the most, a man who this week was able to get his sixth dose of AstraZeneca just to make doubly sure he was protected. Gee. Hey, you going? I just had a shot on Friday, so I'm a little bit tired. After six shots, you'd think your body would recover, but no. Although, I have heard a rumor on the streets whilst I was wandering around. Uh, is it quintuple, six, six tuple vaxxed? Yeah. You have a man bun. My sources tell me. I do have a me. man bun. How did you... Who, who's your source? Uh, it's hard for me to see because those of you who listen, you don't see... T's always got a hat on, so I've actually... Been unable to see this man bun, so I do have a man bun because I've um I haven't been able to get to the hairdressers, okay, okay. to the barber. To get to say, you must be desperate. A lot of people are saying I look like Mike, Mike Cannon Brooks or Mike Brooks. Look, Cannon. He's got so much money that he can do whatever he wants, and it doesn't matter. But I hope you're not trying to pull out the middle-aged man with a man bun look because it just doesn't work. I I resent middle-aged man. Yes. I'm well past that. Whatever. So for those of the, for those of you that don't know, I am taking hair <laughs> tips from a man who's as bald as a cue ball. I think those that are bald pay special attention to those with hair. We understand nuances just because we don't have to deal with them. And and my sources tell me you have more hair on your backside than you do on the top of your head. That may or may not be possible, but luckily enough, you won't be seeing that. And then last time you were at the beach, aka last weekend, yes. that the rural fire service tried to start a backburning. <laughs> No. People would notice that this smells a little bit different when you singe your hair. On that hard-hitting <laughs> note, should we move on to the yes. footy, G? I was texting with you during both the games this weekend. We've got a lot to cover in terms of the games themselves, yep. but I was just grateful that you were actually watching it. <laughs> yes, thank you. I was. Which, 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 which was brilliant. Um, you did also tell me during the week that Google, who hasn't been spying on you in any way, shape, or form, did put on the two thousand recommended for you on YouTube the two thousand and nine Bulldogs versus Parramatta Eels game. Yeah, I don't know why. Can you w- confirm or deny? <laughs> I can confirm that that happened. I was doing my editing and had that on in the background. It was an interesting game. What did you say about us? What did you say about us? Parramatta was almost as dirty as Penrith was this weekend. I would say. Pep, God, Pep, Pen. <laughs> God, Penrith was dirty. None of the press have covered it. They were bad, mate. They were really bad. They were very bad. bad. Anyway, we'll cover it during the game. All right. Shall we move on to the news of the week, G? Yes, we will. Okay. I want to start with this one. I want to start with the West Tigers board (laughs) schmozzle. No, don't. This is ridiculous. So, yeah, I do. do, do, Every week it gets more ridiculous. Because the board meeting was happening last week when we were doing the pod. This week... Um, so, so I want to give our listeners an update on what actually happened. So on Monday, a board meeting was called. Lee Hadjipentelis emailed the directors to say, we're going to have a board meeting to discuss the coach. Okay. They decided at that board meeting to sack Madge Correct. Maguire. Had a press release ready to yes. go about sacking Madge Maguire. This then leaked to the press. Most notably, Brent Reed, Yes. Who followed up Lee Hadjipentelis. In any other organisation, is the chairman... <laughs> This accessible to the press. Anyway, let's pass that for a second. So Lee Hatchpentelis gets wind of this. Then they decide to cancel the board meeting, have a presentation from Madge Maguire and leak to the press that Madge Maguire presented so well that they've decided for him to see out his contract. Meanwhile, quite suspiciously, Cameron Sheraldo decided he didn't want to go for the Tigers job. (laughs) Completely unrelated to the decision. Totally unrelated. Yes. 
completely unrelated. I will not hear you badmouth the governance and processes at the West Tigers, G. What a schmuzzle. I have to say, from a risk management perspective, quite impressive. They had the, the press release ready to go for the sacking. And just in case Cameron Serraldo said no, they had the, board, the media release ready to go to keep Madge McGuire covering all bets. <laughs> oh, my God. Those poor supporters. I mean, those poor supporters. Mind you, what about the comments about, I wonder who's been leaking this stuff? Um, hello. <laughs> I'm not happy that this is played. That's what he said today in the press. I know. I'm not happy that this played out <laughs> in the press. Well, perhaps if you didn't have the journalist listening in on the conversation with Madge, as you called him, it wouldn't leak, Lee. Keep on going. It was a group call. God. Uh, Madge, we want to discuss your performance this year. We've got Brett Reed, Buzz Rothfield and Paul Kent on the line, just as a silent observer. But it's just a um, confidential meeting, so please tell me how you feel, Madge. <laughs> yeah, correct. All right, look, just brilliant. No, I'm going to I'm gonna move on to something else before I get on to the off-field off incidents, and there were plenty this week. Too many. I complained about the Penrith trainer calling time off against the Parramatta <laughs> yes. Eagles game, and you called me a paranoid. You gave me all sorts of abuse, no. <laughs> which you which you edited out of the pod last week, given you're the editor. I did not. You absolutely went me and said, oh, there's nothing in it. There'll be nothing in this. You're being paranoid. Um, for those of you that don't know, G is a massive anti-vaxxer. He's actually thinks he's going to get magnetic yes, after the six. Yes, of course time. I am. Yeah, but I'm going to throw myself in protest at the NRL onto the goalpost and get stuck on the crossbar with what? the magnetism. <laughs> the amount of vaccines I've had will allow me to do that. The magnets are very strong at the moment. You're, you're, now, you're now more vaccinated. I'm Magneto. So I'm getting there. Yeah, correct. Penrith trainer Pete Green was fined twenty five thousand dollars and suspended for the rest of the season, and Hayden Knowles was also warned. Who are the Penrith trainers? Now it did. It didn't matter this week because Penrith found another way to dare the referees. <laughs> of course they did. Yes. So I'm a little bit in Paul Kent's camp with this. He said this is not a big enough deterrent. No. To stop the clubs from doing this again, Paul. I mean. There was a headline. There was a headline in the press that around the twenty-five k that it was twenty-five k well spent. Well, why not? This is exactly what I was just about to say to you. If you're Penrith and you get a fine, but you also stop Para when they're on a roll, your team's tired, and the referee stopped the game for no reason whatsoever, other than someone was down in back play thirty meters away. You know what it is? Money well spent because they stopped the momentum of the. It was like the tactical fouls in soccer. You know, it's Correct. like, hang on, let's let's just do this. Yeah, we'll cop the fine, but the thing is, it gives them a chance to reset their line when they're tired and with the. The game on the line to progress. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't do it because I. I just don't think that's right. But you know what? There's a lot of people that would think, well, it's within the rules. Why not? It's worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. So once again, lukewarm from the NRL. There were some off-field incidents too. There were two. Uh, the Anthony Milford alleged assault charges that were um, uh, occurred earlier last week and. T.C. Rabati was charged with the dangerous operation of a motor vehicle at, up at the Broncos. That's the third incident for the Broncos. Now, the interesting thing about T.C. Rabati was um, he was charged with dangerous operation of a motor vehicle when he wasn't driving the car. I read that and I thought, <laughs> I didn't read more into it. What was he doing? Only, only an NRL player, only doing? an NRL player could, could get charged with something that involves driving a car when they weren't driving the car. Only in the NRL. Look, I read that. I, I laughed because at first I thought, geez, what did he do? <laughs> I read it as a passenger and I thought, what the F is this? 
<laughs> Mind you, I never kept. I don't know what the incident was, but it just made me chuckle in a way. It's like, what was well, he doing as a passenger? Was he back? Was he pa- backseat driving? I mean, that's a long way to reach over <laughs> and grab know. the steering wheel. Apparently, apparently, his partner was driving and they were hooning, and they they she went across the road and he swerved. They missed a turn, is what it was reported allegedly, and so he grabbed the steering wheel off her to try and get to the turn, and then the police woo. So, but I. I only he, could, only an NRL player could could have this happen to them. That I have to say, silly, but very unlucky at the same time. It's like getting charged for robbery <laughs> without having stolen yeah, anything. I know. It's not even as an yeah, accessory. It's, it's unbelievable. You're just in the bank watching, and then you get charged for the robbery. And the Anthony Milford assault charges. I mean, there's, there was all sorts of toing and froing between um, the Broncos. He's still actually still under contract until the first of November with the Broncos. He's not actually not off contract till the end of October. But they've already paid him, and he has no more commitments left for the Broncos, if you know yep. what I mean. So he kind of got caught in between South Sydney and the Broncos. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Souths yep. and whether they take him on and what that actually means, whether Lachlan Ilias will be the, the halfback then if Anthony Milford can't make it there next year. I mean, this is the third incident after the scuffle that happened at Mad Monday a couple of weeks ago. And Dave Donaghy actually gave a public dressing down of the players. That Dave Donaghy's the new CEO, came up from the Melbourne Storm during the season. And quite rightly, he gave it to the players and said, we need to be more professional and better than this. Yeah. I mean, the issue is, for a long time, this stuff was hidden in Brisbane because they were a one-team town, and it's no longer getting hidden. Yeah, that's very true. You know what? The press sort of delivers the news that people want, and a lot of people love this sort of salacious gossip stuff. So, you know what? The Broncos aren't being hidden either anymore. (laughs) Whatever they're doing is coming out as well. Well, that's right. I mean, I wonder if Anthony Milford is getting charged with um, stealing from the Broncos for the last three years. Anyway, another off-field yep. incident that happened. Um, Reese Walsh got arrested on the Gold yep. Coast after the police told him to move on, and they arrested him 45 minutes later, a la um, Corey Norman. <laughs> yes, the yes. Bush. But he was also caught with cocaine, and the Warriors got him to front the press today, and he was quite a broken little, broken kid. I'm in two minds about the Warriors getting a 19-year-old kid to front the press the way they yep. did. I um, mean, it was a pre-prepared statement, but he broke down during it. He's made a mistake. He allegedly had um, illicit drugs on him. You know, he's just a kid. But in one way, I feel for him. He's a 19-year-old kid. On the other hand, I go, what is going on with the Broncos culture? I know he plays for the Warriors, but he was a Broncos junior for a long time, and he is on the Gold Coast. Um, he was seen partying with Toby Rudolph early on <laughs> yeah, in the evening, yes, too. Yes, yep. yep. If, if you're on social media, they were singing Sweet Caroline together. I think it's quite impressive that an 18-year-old knows Sweet Caroline, considering how old that song is. But I think he said, I don't know the words well, of this okay, song. Maybe it he was being recorded. Go. So, uh, that's more understandable. Look, with this type of stuff, he got arrested for being probably a public nuisance, but you know what? Um, if you look at the statistics and drug use, I mean, it's it's so, so, so widespread that it's like you say, just a mistake. And then hopefully he sort of, you know, deals with it and then just moves on and continues his career and um, builds himself back up again. But, you know, I suppose having the profile of an NRL player, you're not afforded the same latitude to make some of these. It would have been mistakes. Some people think it's okay to take that sort of stuff and that's their opinion. But, you know, they don't have the same latitude. They get caught, they have to front the press and front the public and create all sort of, um, I guess, it creates a media storm. It's a different environment. How many weeks have you been clean now? Well, I'm only allowed to go a week between vaccinations, so seven days. I just had the recent one the other day. So, yeah, two days. 
Two days, you're yeah. clean. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it's it's what our it's it's what our listeners want to yep. know. Look, Billy Slater was as we envisaged last week has been confirmed as the Queensland State of Origin coach. His backroom staff hasn't been confirmed. By all accounts, this means that the Carl Stefanovic documentary Stefanovic, as we like to yep. call him, which is his proper pronunciation of his name, um, the Carl Stefanovic documentary will go ahead next year because they're all in the Channel Nine stable. Yep. Do you have anything to add to the Billy Slater appointment? I think it's a good appointment. I, I think why not? You know, he he's uh, he's played so many state of origin games. He's been a winner in the NRL for such a long time. He's very been very professional and also quite dirty and, and stretching the rules whilst on the field he at was times. A very, yes. very, very dirty player. So, but you know he's got a really good footy mind and stuff like that, and understands the game. And I think it's I think he does understand the game, but I I just don't think he's the right personality type. We'll see next year. Brad Fittler easily comes across as a motivator as opposed to an X's and O man. Wayne Bennett, by all accounts, is a master people person. He is. And Paul Paul Green, by all accounts, isn't a people person. All their results kind of told in origin, right? And with Mal Meninga, Mal's not a great X's and O guy. He had Michael Hagen for a long time. That was his assistant coach doing all the technical stuff. I just wonder if it wasn't a better way to blood Billy Slater as an assistant coach first. Whereas, whereas I think Cam Smith might have actually been a better appointment as head coach. Yeah, quite possibly. I think you're right about the sort of... We spoke about this before in terms of the motivator aspect of things and he does strike me more as an X's and O's and strategy and tactics and instead of origin you don't get as much time to sort of you know drill that into your players and Queensland other than that dominant period have always had I wouldn't say inferior talent but they've always had the lesser of the talent for a majority of the time so the mo- the motivational aspect is probably more important I'd say for them but they, they love their origin up there so I don't know how much that plays a part they're motivated by it anyway I think so but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think he'll do a decent job, but I also think they're lacking the talent at the moment anyway. I mean, all the, pretty much all the best players play for New South Wales. Well, we'll see. We will see. Well, let's move on to some player movement news, and then we will cover some. Of, I've got three stories that that caught my fancy yep. during the week. First up, Ryan James, the Broncos' best, uh, the Broncos, the Bulldogs' best forward this year, has moved to the Broncos, even though he was under contract by Canberra. What do you think of that? Uh, I think it's a good signing. I think Ryan James is... As long as they don't get him to give the uh, Welcome to the Nation speech before no, the game. No, but he's, he's a good he's a good player. He's, he's been a solid professional now for a long time. Ryan James is a, is a good signing. So it, it, he gives them a little bit of um, that veteran presence in their forward pack that now really has all been has all left, you know, with the retirement yeah. of Alex Glenn. And he's not wanted at Canberra. So why not have him there as part of your, you know, 25-man squad? He, he, he does a decent Mate, job. Mate, he, he, he was good for the yeah, Bulldogs. Yeah, he's not as dominant as he used to be in terms of physical dominance, but he does a, a real veteran. He has that veteran. Presence. He's lost a bit of athleticism. He has, and he's, but he's still solid and does a great job and, you know, gives everything he's got. So I think it's a good signing. They need people like that. Now, the other thing is the Raiders' search for a halfback continues. <laughs> yeah. Now, they were they were rumoured that, yeah, they were rumoured for Jamal Fogarty to be in for Jamal Fogarty. Now, Jamal Fogarty uh, still has two years left to go in his contract on the Gold Coast. They didn't want to get rid of him. They don't want to get rid of him without a replacement. What has been touted as a potential deal is Fogarty to the Raiders uh, with a potential swap for Josh Hodgson, which I think that works for both teams because I, I think Toby Sexton should be the starting half for the for the, for the for the Titans next yep. year. And I think Josh Hodgson would be... They need a, Mitch Rain has been terrible. They need a hooker. We've been talking about this for I weeks. I think it is a good signing. If they can get do that and, Mark, and Hodge, Josh Hodgson's interested, I think that... He's not as great and as flashy and quick as he used to be, um, Josh Hodgson, but fits a need for both teams, and I think that'll be a really good swap, actually. Yeah, perfect. Well, let's see what happens during the off-season. Now, um, in back office news, 
Craig Young, the Saints great, if you remember Craig Young, you'd remember him, yes. G. Yeah. Replaced Andrew Gordon, who was Bruce Gordon's son, the owner of Wynn Television yep. Network, the regional television network. Long time. Basically, all the money behind St. George Illawarra comes from the Wynn Group. Yep. So Craig Young's replaced Andrew Gordon as the Saints' new chairperson of the St. George Football Club. Can I ask you a question? Mm. When, you're, when you're going to replace the chair and you've got one of the most senior media executives in the country as your chairperson on yes. the board and he's 10 years up, so you, you then go looking around and you go, I want to probably get a similar type of skill set, right? Business connections can help the club move forward, really senior business leader, can grow the club, um, brings a lot of commercial acumen to the table. And so based on that criteria, where do you think Craig Young rates? I don't think he necessarily fits that, but they may not be looking for that. And that's the part we don't know. Really? You you, you think the 250 games is a good... To be honest, I haven't really been read up on what Craig Young's been doing for the last five... I know he's been involved with St. George for a long time, but... I mean, why would you? Why would you? You only host a... Yeah, I know, podcast. You know, look, you don't know what to make up of the board. And a lot of the time, some of these boards, a chairperson, not always, but sometimes is a bit of a figurehead, but not necessarily the main mover. I don't think that's the case in rugby league. I don't think that's the case that's in rugby league. That's fair enough. I think it varies depending on the teams, but... Nick Nick Politis, Hadji Pentelis. Hadji Pentelis is definitely um, a great source of media communications for the Tigers, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Are we sure he's just not a journo in disguise? He is. He's got one. Of, he's one of those people that's got like a, a pseudonym that he writes under. No one knows who he is. Uh, look, there must maybe there's some kind of friction there that we don't know about with other members, but it doesn't seem to make sense. Just looking at that from a distance, it looks like there's a bit of a clash of egos somewhere on that board, and hence he either resigned or they wanted oh, to go. The, you know? it's, it's it's like it's like all the joint venture clubs, yeah. right? The Saints and the. Illawarra sections are, are never getting along, right? To be honest, if I was the Illawarra section, you'd always have a somewhat bitter taste in your mouth. Other than St. George occasionally dropping where St. George Illawarra and, and still taking all the juniors from the Wollongong area. Look, he he's he's 65 years old. He's won two... I think he's won two grand finals with Saints. Um, yeah. He was chairman of the St. George District Rugby League Club. So maybe it was... Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was Saints' turn to appoint the chairperson. The Illawarra side, I suppose, probably never has been overly happy with the situation because they've basically been erased. Here's why I thought it was a bit odd, right? Here's where I thought it was a bit odd. They've had clearly had cultural problems. They've got Anthony Griffin there. They sacked Madge, uh, Mary McGregor. Yeah. I just wonder if almost like a Dave Donaghy at the Broncos, that's, that's someone that's going to, that's not from inside the footy culture may not have been a better appointment there. I think there's a tendency in the NRL in general. I mean, Saints are one of the biggest clubs in the competition, They're run like right? They're one of to the smallest. A, yeah, to find a politician or a senior hitter in New South Wales that's a Saints supporter would not have been hard. No, they they have they have a lot of fans, St George, a lot. A lot of fans, a lot of fans. And and they're part of the lexicon, right? 11 grand finals in a row. Yeah. Like it's it wouldn't have been hard to find a Saints supporter that's also a senior heavy hitter. And and it's just interesting that that's not the way they went. It is, but having said that, I hope Craig Young does a, a really good job. He's obviously passionate about the Dragons, which is important, but we'll see how he goes. All right. Thanks for that hard-hitting analysis, G. One of my favourites has been let go by the Parramatta Eels. I am, of course, talking about Blake Ferguson, a man who made three tackles in three yes. years. Now, he's been released, and he has basically confirmed what we've been speaking about all year, about his genuine interest to play yeah, rugby. fair enough. Um, either, in, either in Japan or with the Western Force, it's been touted. Um, he wants to become a dual international. He's 31 years old. Wow, um, I can't believe he's that young, to be honest. He's been around for a long time. 
Blake Ferguson. Yeah, but he remember he broke in at 17, 18 to that Canberra team, right? My sense of it is, as someone who does watch the rugby quite closely, as you know, Jess, Blake Ferguson has got Buckley's chance of being a dual international. I don't see him fitting in in the game, but then from his perspective, he's probably seen Korobiti and Vunivalu, right? Who grew up obviously playing rugby within Fiji. They that, just the, the difference is the difference is they grew up playing rugby and they went across a lot younger. But egos being what they are, right? He's like I've played against these guys in the NRL. They're not that great. If they can do it, I can. Type of thing. But you know? why does he put pressure on himself by saying that? He didn't need to say that. He could have just said, "Look, I'm going across the rugby. I want to shake my hand. I'm ready for a new opportunity." He didn't have to. He didn't have to put the pressure on himself to say, "I'm going to become a." That's a, that's a good question. But maybe Blake's one of those guys that likes it. You know, speaks out loud or thinks out loud, and actually is probably using get to motivate himself don't most people at press conferences speak out loud yes think out loud you know, you know what i'm saying so maybe he's that's what his thought process is and he wants to motivate himself towards the end of his career but i agree with you i don't see why put that much pressure on yourself it's it's a bit silly but good luck to him i'm glad he's giving it a go and hopefully he plays pretty well but i don't think he'll make the australian team okay the wallabies, wallabies yep. yeah i mean you've watched three games of rugby now in 10 I minutes. I have probably, I've yes. Forced, I've, I've, I've forced yes. you to watch it in the last two weeks. <laughs> it may as well be called the Rock Wallabies or Change Your Name or the Dingoes, <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not one of these people that hates one sport versus the other. I do like both sports. So, look, my favourite news story of the yes. week, and it wouldn't be, it's the NRL, yep. right? So this stuff happens. It's brilliant. The NRL leaked to the press that they will confirm the 17th team after the grand final for, and the 17th team will come into the comp in 2023. After saying yep. that we are going to have a team, then saying, no, now's not the right time, saying, no, we can't do this, it's been shelved, and now apparently it's back on again. <laughs> Great. No, but no, 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 I've got, I've got a spanner in the works <laughs> there course. for you, G. So once they announce this, the clubs are up in arms. They didn't tell all them. All of them about expansion. They didn't. About oh, expansion. God. One club chairman has been quoted as saying, we've got no free-to-air contract, no collective bargaining agreement with the players, and the NRL is yet to confirm the funding for 2023. That's only a year and a half away. Like, that's not correct. Away. The other, the other, another chairman was quoted as saying, the last we heard about this was a month ago, where there was no indication that the bids were even Correct. In. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what, like, what's they changed. Did. They leaked. They leaked. Oh, God. This reeks of the emperor going to Abdo. Andrew Abdo, go tell the press. We will have a 17th team. And we're gonna, and they've even leaked the draw. It's not even a small leak. They said there's going to be 12 extra games. Origin's going to move back to midweek. There's going to be full rounds, two buys for each team. They, they, <laughs> they've gone through in quite a bit of detail. They haven't consulted with the clubs. They haven't confirmed the funding for the clubs. They haven't even got a collective bargaining agreement with the players. But... But the em- what the emperor wants, the emperor gets. Oh God, I can't. You know, brilliant. You know, it's just you know brilliant, what, dude. Dude, dude. If I'm listen, listen to me. Listen to me. All right. If the EPL, the English Premier League, goes, you know how they came down to twenty yes. clubs from twenty two. Remember? Yep. So if the EPL goes, no, no, this is not working. We're going to go to twenty two clubs, and then the big four clubs say, yeah, yes, United City, yes. Liverpool, No, Chelsea, sorry, you forgot Arsenal. the big six. Yes, go. Yes. The big six, yeah. Find out about it three weeks before the season starts <laughs> when the draw gets released. You just couldn't imagine it happening. You just couldn't. But in rugby league, it's the way Who it goes. are these London the Broncos? The only league in Europe where this could no. happen is the Turkish Super League. Right. That's the only other league where something like this could happen, where you don't even know. You don't have an agreement with the players. You don't have an agreement with the clubs. 
and you don't know the funding, but you're going to admit a new team into Dude, the comp. Dude, it's just this just makes me laugh because I was talking about expansion, and then they said no, and then now suddenly it's back on. Then it went silent and said no, now's not the right time. And it's not like 2025; it's like 18 months away. This team's been yeah, coming. that's what I mean. And then they haven't even told the rest of the teams that they're thinking of doing it. It's just it's mate, it's the NRL all over. But my God, I thought we were getting somewhere. Gee, far out. Oh. Every week you're surprised by this. It's brilliant. I just think you can't go back to the way it used to be. But you know what? Peter Volandis is trying to be rebuild rugby league to the way it was. Unfortunately, that means the administration as well. <laughs> so far out. I think I think Peter Volandis is going to come out one day and just go, I've, I've reintroduced trading cards. It's what the kids want. <laughs> oh, that's a great that's idea. Brilliant. Digital NFT trading cards. Here you go. Oh, my God. I... I, I you know, what? I still don't. Yeah, know don't worry. I don't think anybody understands the concept of it either. I don't, don't worry. Understand it. It's like, why would I pay ten million dollars for I'm a too year, old, bro? <laughs> I just, I just, I, all of a sudden, like for those of you that are in their twenties <laughs> and thirties, let me tell you, let me tell you something. You think a old age creeps up on you? No, you wake up one morning and you're old. That's exactly what happens. You think, oh yeah, you know what's doing? And then all of a sudden, NFTs. Like, what's that? It's like, what? And everyone's looking at you like you're old. It just happens. It's not. It's not even. It's not this gradual. Oh, God. That's a great story. All right, shall we move on to the um, games? Almost, because I think there was another... Oh, you've got a new I story. Do. You read I something reading, during the week. I was reading week. stuff yes. about Payne Haas. The whole Payne Haas situation is... Oh, yeah, yeah. He came out with the announcement saying... Well, there was nothing much to it. It was all, everything we reported a few weeks ago where he said, I'm no longer with Gavin Orr and I can't sign an extended that contract. That is correct. I'm, I'm getting pa- Now, the one point I took out of that story... You know, you know, you know why? You know why he can't, though? Why? What 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 was the reason? Apparently, he's already signed. He can't do anything about it. No, if he signs a new agreement, because because his agreement with the with the agent with Gavin and Chris oh, Orr runs okay. out at the end of his contract, right? So if he signs a new agreement for upgraded money, he's got to pay them from now and extends it. He's actually got to give them their seven and a half percent. That makes sense. But one the one thing I did take away from that story was apparently the Broncos decided Thomas Flegler is worth more money than Payne Haas, which I found very strange. <laughs> Well, I mean, this just goes to show the problems that were oh, at the man. Broncos. And I do think they're fixing it. I mean, are we sure the people making decisions there watch footy? <laughs> you know what? Maybe now they do, but before... Are you making, are you making the decisions <laughs> no. at the Broncos, G? You know what? You know about it. No. That, I was like, what the hell? Who the hell came up with that? Oh... Oh, it's just insane. The other story was the Dally M's, and apparently they didn't tell... Oh, I forgot about this story. That's a good... This was the story. Now, Justin Olam wasn't yeah, well, invited because he wasn't... Well, because they only they only tell and invite the centres or the position players that are in the top three to five vote-getters yes. for their position, yeah. right? Justin Olam clearly wasn't one of those, or they... or. Maybe he was, but Cam Munster came out the next day and absolutely served it up to the NRL. And then miraculously that afternoon, Justin Olam's been invited and they said, it's been an administrative error. Of course it is. You has. mean like not like not telling the other 16 clubs we're introducing a new club? Like yeah, that very much era? so. Um, it's unbelievable. I mean, just, I love it. I love the NRL. They're the best. They are. It's comedy. It's great. Move on to the games, though, I think. All right, let's move on to the games. Okay, so this the first up was Souths versus Manly on a Friday night. Now, this was pretty much what we thought it was going to be, right? We said that Souths were going to kill Manly, and that's exactly what happened. Manly was stuck in traffic before the game as well, <laughs> uh, forcing yeah, a delay to kick off. Did you hear this? Yes, I yeah, did. They did. Yeah, they did. to watch the game, and then it was like, hang on, it hasn't started. They got a police escort to the, to the yeah. ground, and... and 
there was people that filmed the bus as the police escort was going in there. And there was one van in front of the Manly Seagulls bus that it was a two lane highway that refused to get out of the way <laughs> for the police escort. And they're, and they're saying they're saying it was a Souths fan driving the van. Probably it was. That is hundred percent something someone in Australia would do. Without a doubt. Brilliant. Without a doubt. It's just brilliant. And this is why we love the NRL. It's brilliant. I'm telling you, it's this and the Turkish Super League. There is nothing else that can give you I this level of the insanity. Greek Super League would be almost as crazy. Greek Super League would be there yeah. as well. So it did force a delay to kick off, and perhaps it affected Manly because oh, I wonder if some of these people have such stringent warm-up routines that you know you hear about, like LeBron and those guys in the NBA. Some of them remember KG. Remember, he, he, it was almost to the minute. Yes, it was time to the yes. Minute. Because I'll tell you what, they, they didn't really turn up, right? Because Souths had all the field position, scoring four tries to lead 22-0 at halftime. But that score did belie the chances Manly had bombed. Yes. Right? Because so, they did bomb two tries. One to Garrick was disallowed due to an obstruction, and the other to Turbo, who dropped the ball trying to score. Yep. Both those tries normally would be scored when I think... And then Morgan Harper dropped the ball... For the fourth, and which led to the South's fourth try. So if they score those two tries, Morgan Harper doesn't drop the ball. They're only up 16-12, right? But the game's the game swings on these fine margins, and instead of 16-12, it's 22-0, and the game was re- they were never going to catch that up against Souths. Souths were able to keep Jason Saab really quiet as well during the game. He was he was it was probably his quietest game this yep. year. Garrick did get one straight after halftime, but despite that, it was 30 to six to Souths with 10 minutes to go. Um, Tommy Turbo then scored to break Phil Blake's all-time manly record with his 28th try of the city season. AJ then got his 29th try of the season, which is the attacking stats this season are off the chain. It needs to be a... It's a little bit um deceiving, I think. Let's see how next year goes. Kieran Foran, after the game, said that they can't just rely on one player, and I think he's right. Basically, this season where Tommy Turbo's showed up, they've looked like world beaters. The rest of the time, they haven't. DC was also poor after being compared to Michael Jordan before the game. Yep. One thing that I did see is Manly, the Manly defense tried an up and in on Cody Walker. They tried yes, to cut down did. his time so that he, yeah, so that they didn't kill him. So they didn't that he was on the back foot. Um, they didn't quite execute that as well as they could have because Cody Walker still tore them up down that edge. Blake Tarfe was excellent, and and he did all the kicking because Adam Reynolds has a groin injury that they kept hidden from the media. Did all keep week. hidden. I yeah. didn't read about that anywhere. And then all of a sudden, you're watching the game and you're thinking, hey, what's going on here? Yeah, I've got an injury that no one, no one knew about, which That's is surprising right. in this day and age. And of course, Wayne Bennett, after the game, when asked when asked about how proud he was about South Sydney, went after the Broncos and told <laughs> That's them. That's what I'm like reading the articles the next day. <laughs> and it's all about the Broncos. I'm like, what the hell? Rugby league. Rugby league. The best. Rugby league's the now best. That, a, bit of, a bit of a fuck you from Wayne to the Broncos, eh? So, correct. Um, correct. So, look, I thought Souths were excellent. I mean, we'll get on to the match up against the Panthers. Actually, I think Ryan Girdler was right. Manly had a softer draw than a lot of the people around yep. them. And Tommy Turbo had a breakout season. They deserve to be top four. They deserve where they went. But they, they, they probably didn't deserve to play in the grand final in the end. Oh, I think South outclassed them. Hazard can get outcoached sometimes in the semis. And I think in this game, he was outcoached by Wayne Bennett. And the reason why I say that, in attack, I think they kind of stuck to the block plays and sort of spreading the ball wide and trying to go around. But I thought South really played defensively for that. I mean, at times they did burn Campbell Graham when they had some depth. But Souths really worked on to let them get around them and sliding really well and the Seagulls didn't do anything else they kept on trying the same thing over and over I don't think Des has got an out coach as much as you think I think the game was tighter than you think I mean Morgan Harper doesn't drop the ball they're up 
16-0. Oh, they're up 18-0. Yeah. And the two tries go in. Ruben Garrick's almost a certain conversion. It's 18-12, right? 16-18-12. Yeah. They're in the game at halftime. The second half's a write-off. At 22-0, uh, the game was over. There was no way Manly were going to score five or six tries on Souths in the second half. I think you're right. Didn't probably get out coached that much, but... I think what happened is once they couldn't really do that to South, they struggled doing anything else. And you're right, they they didn't take advantage of some of the breaks that they did have. And they were a little bit unlucky. Like some of South tries at the start, Cody Walker's two try, one of them was just magical anticipation of Damian Cook. But, you know, someone just grabs Damian Cook and he where, goes... Where, where he got up off the floor. Honestly, that's just fantastic. It's like it is backyard footy. Like, he's just like keeping them alive, looking for the attacking kick or something. But the defense just missed Damian Cook, right? And the first try was just a bodies and the ball bouncing around and it luckily happened to land. I mean, he was in the right place, but in the Seagulls... They had no field position either. Like, like they were camped. They were camped on the Manly line. They, they ran up enough points for their dominance to really put the game away. You know, sometimes the Seagulls were hanging in, but South took advantage of the opportunities they had and scored. So instead of being, like you say, 18-6 down or something, it was like 28-36, you know. So it was just too hard to come back. And I thought... Towards the end, though, the Seagulls started coming with a lot more depth, and South probably switched off a bit. They created a bit of danger, but you wonder if that's just because the game was dead anyway, you know. But I thought Souths were generally excellent. They were ge- they were generally excellent. Um, this is Wayne Bennett knows how to win grand finals. Ivan Cleary has never won one. We'll talk about it in the grand yeah. final preview now. But Souths also had an easier run. They did. What I mean by that is their game hasn't been as brutal. They had a week off, and their game hasn't been as brutal as what the next no, series was. No, So their, their, their body, except for Adam Reynolds, the rest of the team should be in reasonable shape, right? Whereas I think the Panthers will have a few physical cuts and bruises, right, from the tough draw. So did you have anything more to add before we move on to the Storm Panthers? I have to say, though, for the, the Rabbitohs, what has been a massive addition, even though he doesn't necessarily stand out, is defensively, I think Jackson Paulo has made him more solid on that side of the field. Because... Whilst occasionally you get around him, he's got enough pace to recover and he's a little bit quicker and lighter on his feet than some of the other wingers they've had out there. And I think what's happened is he works well in tandem with Campbell Graham because Campbell Graham, if you cut him, come at him from depth, oh look, I think Campbell Graham's a great player, but many times this season, if you come at him from depth, you can catch him out or get around him a little bit. But then Jackson Paulo is kind of covering that gap up a little bit. And I think their defense has become a lot more solid across the field. Yeah, they've tightened their defense. They're, they've tightened their defense. Absolutely. And in the middle of the field, their agility is telling in some of these games, T. So I put more faith in their defense based on the Panthers' result rather than this game. Let's cover. Let's do it now, right? What do we think? Manly's out now. What do we think about Manly and how how we think they'll go next year? I mean, my view. If you want my view, Manly will come back to the field next year. I think they had an easier draw this year, and I I, th- I think they really, really, really need a hooker. That you know they've had a half playing hooker all season, and it's hard to imagine Tommy Turbo getting any better. I mean, you take Tommy Turbo out of that side, do they? even make the eight oh. uh, that's how big a difference he made i'm not sure they do jace jason saab doesn't get the chances he does and ruben garrick doesn't have the season i think it's a fair question and i also think that for me manly next year what you saw is in the games where they re- it really tightened they struggled to really amend some of their game plan or do anything because it has been so easy against some of these crappy teams whether they go back or not i think is going to be dependent on how crap some of these teams are so if we kind of still have that gap i, I think we'll look back i think i think we'll look back on this the way we'll look back on the 2009 jared hayne year and go it was just a magic season there was there was there was an extraordinary talent 
that took some average players to within one game of a grand final. Well, in Jared Kane's case, Jared Haynes' case, all the way to the grand yep. final. That's my view on Manly. I'm not saying it's right, but I just think I think they've got some talent there. I think Morgan Harper, despite how he's played in the finals, actually had a really good yeah, season. Yes, first year in first grade, right? Jason Saab's a great find. I think Kieran Foran's shown some magic there. Um, Josh Schuster's been an absolute brilliant find. He's been great. So I think I think there's some talent there. It's not a matter of talent. Um, they've still got Marty Tapao, but I mean, and Jake only really started to come good towards the back end of the season. Otherwise, he had a pretty average regular season. I just think if Tommy Turbo doesn't play this well, the ceiling of this team is sixth or seventh. I think you're right. I think they'll come back a little bit, but I also think it's going to be... Was that a yeah, car? of course it is. Um, look, I think they'll come back to the pack a little bit. I don't know if they're going to come fourth again. If there's really a lot of easy beats, they've got the firepower to beat these easy beats teams. But if it comp tightens up a little bit, they will drop back a little bit to that six, six sort of spot because they're still a little bit too good for some of these other teams, right? But in terms of the elite top four, I think they will drop out a little bit. But they do have talent that's still fresh and new. And I think for them to maintain where they are now, they need to step up a little bit. So the Oluwakatus need to get better. Jason Saab needs to continue his improvement. Ruben Garrick needs to be at the same level. Um, Morgan Harper needs to be better and get better after another year. Um, so They're going to lose Moses Sully as well. He's, by all accounts, he's going to the Saints. Um, look, I don't think they're going to be a... Look, they'll, they'll be in the eight. I think they'll be Absolutely in the eight. Absolutely for sure. But, but do I think they'll be a top four side next year? No, I don't. Not unless Tommy Turbo has another season like this, in which case I think a, could be a generational player takes them into the top four again. I, I, I really think we'll look back on it like we did the Jared Haney. Because if you look at the players around Jared Haney and how they were playing that year, actually the the, the, seal, the ceiling of that team wasn't that high, He right? lifted the team with him. And I think and I think, and I I think think Tommy Turbo is the same. I, I think you're onto something. I mean, we, talk, we joked about that 2009 semi, but occasionally I was looking up and watching snippets of it and you do look at Paris team you think you know a lot of these guys yeah they did a good job but they weren't great well you know but when they played together as a unit and the confidence I think they had with Jared Hayne like you got that confidence that you can beat anybody and this goes back to Kieran Foran's comment about we can't look for Tommy to do it all but they they do well and it's just really hard to have seasons like that one after another as well right now Tommy Turbo might by all accounts he's, he's got that AFL professionalism about him he might but historically there isn't a lot of examples of people having those types of seasons one after another you know ironically the one that did do it probably one after another probably had better support cast of characters and that's Brett Mullins in the early oh, 90s. yeah, but his team was full was of like the, was, was the, Correct, correct. So it's not the same thing. It's no. not the same. But he did. He was a fullback that had that type of Tommy Turbo season, and he did it back to back. He had two or three seasons where he was the best player in the world. Just you know. Yeah. But but you're right. He had Laurie Daly. He had Ricky Stewart. He had Mal. Like that that team was stacked, right? So that that's why I think they'll come back a little bit. Um, but if Tommy Turbo plays like this season, they'll finish top four again. I think for them to be a contender next year, they need Tommy Turbo to be almost, not as dominant necessarily but as good as this year but these other guys and kids have to actually take another step up and if they don't I agree with that this ties into what you said and if they don't then you can't rely on him to be like generational every second game and they will take a step back but some of these other teams like the Knights etc I think it'll be harder for him to be generational right because I think I think some of these teams comp will tighten too you could see the South went after him in particular too to try and stop him the other thing is they're gonna have a preseason with these rules now yes which they haven't yep. had I'm hopeful that we're gonna get more games like we've seen in the semi-finals rather than the blowouts we were having earlier on in the season anywho Ashley Klein 
Ryan refereed this one. He was lucky it was a blowout. I can't believe he got another gig after the Para Penrith game. If Ashley Klein and Jared Sutton are the two best refs in the comp, how bad are we doing? We're doing bad. Which is a good segue. We move to the second semi, which was an absolutely brutal game of football and really what the semi-finals are all about. And the Panthers got up in an upset, but not too big an upset. These have been the two best teams for two seasons. They got up 10-6, um, but geez, the Storm were uncharacteristically poor in their execution. It wasn't helped by losing Christian Welsh and Brandon Smith no. to HIAs early in the first half. Um, the first try came from Welsh and Tavita Pangai Jr. getting involved in a melee. And what they had seen is they had seen that Josh Adokar does sometimes tuck in too much, which I think you called out when we were when we were watching Melbourne the game. compresses their defense all the time, a lot of the time. Apparently, they they stole the play from the Roosters, who did it against them in round six, and they were short on the left, and, and Nathan Cleary kicked from dummy half to an unmarked Stephen Crichton to score. The Storm made nine errors in the first half and were lucky to be only to be down 6 I agree with that. They were really on the brink. Yes. They were, they were hanging in. They were hanging in there. That's right. After Brian... T- well, team not as good as the Storm would have been down 24 uh, I, mil, right? I agree with so, that. Uh, absolutely. After Brian Tao got a try early in the second half and extended the Panthers' lead to 10-0, the Storm finally sprung to life at the back half of the game. And Ryan Pappenheisen got it back t- to 10-6 with 15 minutes to play after what I thought was a miskick by Cam Probably, Munster. Probably, but it, it worked out okay. They had a bit of luck with that it, one, I'll tell you. I thought, I thought it was lucky. But six errors in the second half, really poor kicking from Jerome Hughes and Cam Munster, and a performance from Dale Finucane that he would like to forget, really meant that the Storm didn't deserve to win in the end. I thought the Panthers were a much better team. Dylan Edwards was great for the Penrith Panthers. Gee, I think you saw what Dylan Edwards brings to that team in this game. It's more defensively than it is offensively. Well, no, even offensively, I think he's not he's not as good as Tommy Turbo or Clint Gutherson or any of those players. That's not what I'm saying. But in their system, he, he for the works. salary cap money they've got, he works, right? He's really important for their system. Now, the Panthers really, really, really muscled up. It's another way of saying... <laughs> It's a. It's another way of saying they may hell. have uh, stretched. They yeah, they stretched the rules Absolutely. a little bit. They they laid all over the play of the ball. <laughs> they wrestled the hell out. They almost dared Jared Sutton to blow a whistle. They got. I felt sorry for the storm. There was a lot of 50 50 calls. Matt Burton had a stone cold knock on that. Was oh, mate, don't. It was just some of the calls that Jared Sutton missed. He was atrocious, and he didn't pull the Panthers up. If he had given early penalties against the Panthers, then it would, it would have told them to pull their head in, but it didn't. And that's why these last three games have been cl- close, because the Panthers have been lying all over the place. They did the similar to Para. And, and, and the referees... The referees haven't been penalising it. It's a big reason why Panthers kept Souths to two tries, Para to one, and the Storm to one in successive weeks. It's because the play of the ball is so slow that it's allowing the Panthers' defence to reset. Which is already very good. That's the way they are going to referee the grand final. Talk about it in the preview, but I think that'll play into... Penrith's hands. Absolutely. hands, yeah. But having said that, I thought the Panthers did deserve to win this game overall. I thought Melbourne were uncharacteristically poor. I thought Cam Munster... Jerome Hughes' running game was sensational, again, right? Even though he got yeah, run down by Scott Yeah, he hogged the ball too when he shouldn't have. Just wrong options. It's yes. wrong options and his kicking game's poor, yeah. right? He hasn't been playing well for weeks. What hides it is his running game sensational. Yes. Yeah, so the rest of his game hasn't been good for weeks and it really got found out, right? They, they obviously looked at it. They knew that the threat wasn't going to come from him other than his yes. running. I think 
they were very clever, but I also think there's a part of me that goes, I mean, it's typical NRL, it's, right? And rugby yeah. league. They're, re- they're refereeing the finals differently to the re- way they, they refereed the regular season. And I think Ivan Cleary's worked that I, out. I think he has. It's You know what? I think he summed it up quite well. This is one of those funny games where do I think Melbourne were the better team or should have won? No, I thought Penrith were the better team. Melbourne were a little bit uncharacteristically poor and were trying to get themselves into a rhythm at the beginning. You can kind of feel like they were just, they weren't quite in sync yet, right? And part of that is I think they changed their game plan a little bit, which I think is ridiculous. Sometimes they almost so obstinate with their plan A, they don't use some of the other options. And I don't think they did that against the Panthers. Having said that too, the Panthers' defense is ordinarily superb, but then to actually allow them to just... So they were rushing up and really sort of bustling the Melbourne Storm. They were pressing, in a sense, and not giving them any time at all. But whenever they the Storm made any inroads to try and shift the momentum a little bit, they just sat on the tackled player, basically, and waited. Those of you that are our vintage, it was like Yoko Zuma with yeah. his ass hit in them. <laughs> It was, you know, usually there's nuances. It was so obvious watching that, that the Storm player would make a tackle. They're like, Kenny, roll away, roll away. And the Penrith players just, a lot of the time, if you notice, when they were... It's like the old refs. Jared Sutton's like, I'm going to count to three and blow a penalty. Yes. 16, 17, 18. And a lot of the time, I don't know if you noticed this, you know that Matt Burden tackle where he stopped, was it Jerome Hughes? Yes, Jerome Hughes, when he was about to score, and he they actually oh, short of the line. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, he yeah. horse and then he flipped he him flipped onto him his onto back. His it back. was a second second attempt. They did that very often throughout the game, Penrith. That I thought that was a professional it foul. Was a I prof- thought Matt Burton should have gone to the bin. If that's earlier yeah. in the season. He's in the bin for a professional foul. They had the momentum. the The defense was scattered, and that allowed them to reset their line. And some of the calls were very dodgy, like the one previously. By the way, Crichton did an amazing job in defense when um, Pappenheiser made the break, and he had Adokar and Olam on either side, and somehow Crichton put himself in a position that made that both options difficult. But Olam was tackled short of the line; he was not over the line, and yet the referee stopped the play because Penrith's defense wasn't set at all, and players were rushing back. And actually, correct, correct. That was as clear as. Dude, 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 let, let, but that's where he lets it play. The storm go in or get a penalty. Look, this is what happened the week before against Para. I kind of feel like the Panthers' luck's got to run out at some point too here with this stuff. The defense that Penrith came up, like one of the tackle that Crichton did was superb, but... Oh, they're, they're, def- they're the best defensive team in the comp. That's play on. If your teams aren't back, too bad. Or someone goes to the Symbian, right? But they were allowed to really get away with a lot and it stopped the Storm from being able to build any momentum at all. But having said that, I thought Penrith were superb in defence and they had the advantages. On top of that, I thought Luke... Kurt, what's calling Luke? Kurt Capewell. Kurt Capewell. Even when he was beaten or stepped, I thought he was brilliant in the middle of the field. I really do. He was like desperation defense tee, like reaching out and just grabbing a guy one hand. His defense in the middle stopped any inroads that, that Melbourne were trying to make in between some of the defense. And I thought he was brilliant for the Panthers. Also thought Penrith did what you have to do to Melbourne at the start of the game. There was a lot of chain passing between the forwards. They made a couple of breaks that way because you've got to attack them directly. And then also that early kick when they compress their defense makes them think twice about rushing in. And you've got to give Melbourne something to think about in defense. Penrith, I thought, methodical, tough, played together, 
they were really dirty and niggly. They were getting away with a lot of sort of, I would say, what would be considered in 2021. 2021 as cheap shots. Oh, yeah, they were. It wasn't cheap shots. Per se. It's not like 1980s cheap shots, but they, they, they played the game right on the edge. Absolutely. Right on. And they were, and, and they were over it for a lot of it. And just, just Jared Sutton swallowed his whistle. I mean, what made this an intense game as well as the fatigue? I know you were quite critical of Ryan Pappenhausen not popping up to offload off Nelson, I suppose, Solomona and stuff like that. But compared to the game the night before the South's Manly game... The speed game, was quicker. The ball was... Well, the, the ball was in play for almost 10 minutes more. Like, there were no stoppages in this game, right? There were no stoppages, and there was there was actually more play of the balls in this game as well. But, I mean... Yeah, but T, this is where Melbourne did themselves a disservice, right? Because if you go back and look at the rest of the season, I mean, yes, they were thrashing teams, but they had well, a variety... They, they dropped the ball too much. Their execution was poor this game. They didn't They didn't, They didn't. didn't get to their variety, and then they were chasing the game in the last 30 minutes. I, I hear what but you're saying. Pappenheisen and Addo Carr, mate, where were they? Finals footballs are not about your structures. Where were they chasing that ball for those half chances? Because they're tired, G. You know what? They weren't tired last year when they played in Pappenheisen and Addo Carr were looking for gaps and searching for the ball. But it wasn't this type of game. Melbourne got out... Mel, Mel, no, no, it wasn't. Melbourne got out to an early lead in the, the... The game was over. The Panthers came back at the end in the grand final. It wasn't this type of I game. I think they didn't adjust to the Penrith's defence. Gee, the ball was in play 64... It was 10 minutes more than the South's game. The fatigue is extraordinary. Probably, and in the heat as well. We forget... I forgot that it's in correct, Queensland. It's 26, 27 correct. degrees. They're not used to playing in the heat anymore. Because they don't play during the day. Can I, can I also say that's the that that's the other thing that makes some of these games a lot better. I, I do think daytime footy is it is better. Great, it is better. The ball's not as slippery, even though now it's synthetic and stuff. But it, it gives you a little bit of freedom with your footing. It's not as dewy, you know, like stuff like that. I so I don't think it was I don't think it was a Josh Adokar structure thing. I'll tell you why I think the Storm lost it. What? Yeah. My personal view. I think if Cam Smith plays, they win the game. Possibly. Yes. That's where Cam Smith makes a difference. Yeah, he controls that game. He's getting them to the right spots. That leadership, that experience. This is the intangible about Cameron Smith that you just you, you know it when it's not there. Cam Smith plays in that. I know game. what you're saying. Yeah, yes. Cam Smith plays in that game last night. They calm down, right? The Panthers, the Storm win it. The yeah, Storm find a way to get I, over I the line. I think they they calm down in that game. Once Penrith, I think, bustled them out. So Penrith, I thought, defended magnificently, right? But once they bustled them out, you notice that during some of the games, and some of this was fatigue, but. Melbourne always works because they always have runners in motion. In that game, there was a lot of one-out running and everyone else either standing back to take their breath back, um, get their breath back, or that's the way they decided to play the game. And it played into the Panthers' hands. Uh, you got to remember that, that they did have a lot of the territory. The they did, and it played into Penrith's hands. The Storm midfield tries come off the back of momentum. They're, they're on the front foot, right? When they're, they're constantly coming out of their own line and fatigued. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't... What do you want them to do? I mean, the Panthers... The Panthers outplayed them and they couldn't hold on to the ball. I mean, that was that's it in a nutshell. But I will challenge you and you say that, you know, they attacked the Storm a lot of this season from way, way 60, 70 metres away from the try line. This game, yeah. they didn't even try that. Well, yeah, they did. Mm. Yeah, they did. They just... The Pan, they couldn't yeah. get through the Panthers' defence. Yes, they did. Yes, Penrith, they did. mate. Gee, if you're slowing the ball, play the ball down. This is why momentum players like Cam Murray is 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 so important, right? You get a quick play of the ball. It's that, that's how they're getting those long-range tries. If you're taking five seconds to play the ball and the defence is set and it's the Panthers... Well, you're trying the same move. It's just not working because the defence is set. You don't have the same momentum. Fair I do and you're fatigued. And you've got to remember, what I've, what I've borne in the back of my mind all season is there are two tiers of teams. So what they do 
what the Storm do against the Tigers or the Bulldogs, or it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't. Not this year. Not at all. Yeah, not correct. at all. Correct. At all. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter whether it's 40 nil no. or 26. It's too easy, right? And this is where I think, like, the Manly versus South was, like, South was another step up. And to be honest, they haven't played many games like that this year, Manly. Well, well, Manly are 6-0. and Against the top top four, I think this year they were six and zero. Oh. Uh, like they lost six games, didn't yeah, win one. That would make sense because you play them two or three times, and okay. Well, this is Ryan Girdler's point. They're flat track bullies. The draw helped them. I remember we did this in the last round of the season. They only had seven games against the but other top eight teams. But it's also like we say unusual in that there were so many or eight poor games. teams. Yeah. Like yeah, there were correct, six correct. decent ones, and everyone else was basically almost wooden spoon contention. Like really bad, right? So yeah, correct, correct. But yeah, look, Penrith. I they were gritty. They got a, play, a couple of players that were um, injured, but tough, tough performance and gritty performance, and they defended incredibly well. I don't think their attack was that good at all, Penrith. No, I think Penrith's attack's fallen off. But it has seen, basically since Nathan Cleary was injured. It has put it this way. I think with all that field position, I mean Melbourne defends really well, and two interchanges less, they should have scored more than ten points. Dude, they basically score off Nathan Cleary kicks and block plays. That's it now. That's defensively, it. they're that good. You need some. You need to differentiate it in the way you've got to play they're, them. They're defensively that good because of the play of the ball. Yeah, though. and so it, they're, they're, they're daring the ref to blow the penalty. Right. To my segue, you just basically opened my question. Penrith, to me, watching them play, are basically telling the ref, "Hey, you know what? We know you haven't got the guts to actually put this game on your whistle, so to speak." And they're yeah, daring correct. them to make calls in a big game because they know the refs haven't got guts or the courage to actually say, you know what, Matt Burden, you're in the symbian. They know. And you know where you know you know where this started. This started with Bill Harrigan. This concept of oh, we got to manage the game and it's got to be a low penalty. No, count. it doesn't. And now no, that's what doesn't. we expect. No, you blow as many penalties as you see. If that's twenty, that's twenty. If it's five, it's five. Because you're getting inconsistency, right? Like there was a period in time in the second half where Melbourne got called for offside. Now they were offside, but Penrith was offside for most of the game. And you know who else used to do this? And he was the great origin coach, Phil Gould. Yeah. Used to coach his teams to stand offside in origin. That's right. And yeah. That's, that's right. And dare them because they're not going to penalise you every Because set. it's a big game. And I remember him talking about this many years ago where he said, you know what, the re- you've got to dare, the- they're daring the referee to penalise them. And we've noticed now, honestly, we've talked about it. And it's, Harrigan's an interesting one because he had such an ego that if he wanted to, he could decide the game because that Hollywood Harrigan yeah, moniker yeah, right. kind of fits him, right? He wasn't afraid of big decisions, no. but he was also someone that let the game flow. But if he wanted to, he would have done that, right? And sometimes his ego got yeah, in the way, yeah. but whatever. But these refs don't have the guts to go, you know what? You're in the Symbian, Matt Burden, because it's such a big Remember game. That game when he lost his mind? Was it against us where he put four or five of us? Yeah, in? it was. It actually was against it was, it was Parra. Parra. It was yes. Parra. It was I remember that. It's like every, it was like randomly just started sending him to the Symbian. <laughs> just fucking hell. Jeez, is there a referee that hasn't shat on the eels over the last In fact, years? he probably should be running the NRL with the way that turned out. It was just like randomly just said, fuck this, I'm sending everyone to the Symbian. But, but it's exactly, it's the way Peter Volandi's Exactly. I just feel like it's like a bit of a cheat code in the semis. Penrith's gone, you know what? We're going to lie all over the tackle player. We know you're not going to penalise us. We're going to be offside. We know you're going to not send anybody to the sim because the game is too big for the refs. And they're trying to manage the game because yep. they're also, I think, lacking courage to make a call because they're too scared they're going to be blamed for ruining the game. I agree. I agree. What does this mean for Melbourne next year? Oh, I mean, Melbourne's Melbourne. They'll be back. 
you know. Um, oh, do you? I don't. I don't think. That. No, I don't think they're going to be as dominant as they were this year. But they'll be top four. So yeah, so that's interesting. I I think I think they'll be top four. You want my honest opinion? Can, my yeah. honest opinion. Other than the grand final last year, Panthers were the better team. I agree with that because if you remember, I said they had enough speed to beat Penrith. But other than that, I thought Penrith's last year were unbelievable. Were the better were team. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And the, and then the Storm shocked them in the grand final. That's okay. Youngsters as well. Um, yeah, I think Panthers have come back this year. I think next year they lose Fanukan, Nico Hines, and Josh Adokar. Yeah. They do get they do get Xavier Coates and Nick Meany. Yes. But I think they'll flatline because I'm not sure. Look, Jerome Hughes is an interesting one, right? A lot falls on Cam Munster come finals time to give them a bit of magic. I thought Jerome Hughes, Remus Smith and George Jennings have been really good. And I think... Remus Smith and George Jennings and that edge, that's the edge Jerome Hughes is on. That edge was really found wanting finally in this game. Remus and George haven't played in games of this magnitude, right? So... I thought they struggled to deal with the occasion for a while. I really did. They they really did. I mean, George George Jennings took bad options, dropped the ball. Remus Smith dropped the ball. Like it just it just it was almost like good. they were trying so hard to make an impact because they they were a bit shaky at the beginning, whether it be nerves or whatever else. But as the game went on, they got better. But by then, Melbourne were well behind, you know. So well, it's just I just I just think some of those other teams, some of the teams haven't been good enough to take no, advantage of that. That's I, right. I don't know. I've got a I've got a feeling. I don't think they'll drop out of the eight or anything like that. But I don't think Melbourne will be as dominant as they were. This I don't season. think they'll be as dominant. They'll be in the top four simply because Coates is going to go to a different level under in Melbourne, and I think Nick Meany is a great addition to their squad and they'll always have some young guy that steps up and does a better job than they did this year like Finucane has been great but then they pass the torch on to the next person right so I expect them to be in the top four this year I felt like if they played well no one could touch them next year I think they're a lot more beatable yeah I, I think what you said is they flat I don't think they got as much squad depth Oh, they flatline, flatline next year, right? I don't think they, I don't think they'll be as miles ahead in the, and they might be in the regular season, right? But I think, I mean, they, they haven't, they've come back to the field basically since that 18th win, right? And I think it took a lot out of them. It probably did. They're a magnificent club. They're, they are so consistent and so professional. But if you do look at their record, they can be beaten in the semis sometimes because other teams can raise their game sometimes. Whereas Melbourne almost always plays at a level that's unmatched by most teams until they get to the semis you know because then the 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 sense of the occasion can make people lift their game for a game or two right and i think sometimes they're not as dominant in the semis as they are in um the regular season so they'll come back but they'll still be top four for me next year all right so we're now into the grand final preview last game of the season it's been a marathon to get here I have watched every game. <laughs> yep. You've watched seven. Seven huge I know, games. I know, I know you watched the two. huge games. You watched three in the regular season. The yeah, biggest yeah, game yeah. I watched all season was Bulldogs versus Tigers. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I needed you to watch that because that's the game I missed. You faked an injury on that one, did you? Oh, mate, I couldn't bring myself to watch it after 192 games. It's it's a rematch between Wayne Bennett um, and Ivan Cleary. I thought Wayne Bennett outcoached Ivan Cleary in week one. Yes. My view is if the refs allow Penrith to slow the play of the ball like they have been doing the last I few weeks. I don't think Souths can beat them. And no, well, not only that, and with Adam Reynolds not being able to kick. Yeah. And his kicking game was huge in week one, 600-odd metres. Then I think the Panthers T, will win. quick one. Is it Reynolds' groin or hamstring? Groin, I've heard. If it's a groin, that's a problem. More hard-hitting analysis from G. You know, you kick in the ball. A.K.A. Physio yeah, G. Yeah, Physio G. He's going to twin something if he first game. His kicking was great for South's field position. When you did, your, you, you did your groin in the over 35s and you had to go to a, a Turkish bath just with men just slapping you. Osteo- yeah, osteitis pubis. I 
Look, they were trying to beat the Ossieitis pubis out of me with a what towel. What was the Irish guy's name? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I don't know if I don't think it was Kieran. So, guys, given how hard he's thinking about this, you know that this story is true. <laughs> I can't remember, but it's funny if anybody <laughs> hopefully has not had osteitis pubis. It's actually a, a, a terrible injury. It's deep in kind of like your pelvis, and he kind of didn't want to go there to sort of feel where the pain was. So it was an incident. Interesting. Um, I may as well have gone on YouTube and figured out what what exercises to do. You've 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 had some strange shit happen to you. So in summary, in <laughs> yes. summary, if Adam Reynolds can't kick because his yep. kicking game is huge. Yes. In this game for field position, and if the ref allows the Panthers to to slow the play of the ball, I think the Panthers win. I think the South's left edge, the much vaunted attacking machine that's the left edge, is up against Cleary Momorowski. Momorowski's a very good defender. He is a very good defender. But I do know I do have a way I think Souths can win it if I'm game planning this. First of all, South's defense has to show up like they did in week one. Then I think if they show up the way they did in week one, then I think the Panthers have only got twelve points in them. So to win, Souths need the game to be open. So when they've got the ball, they need to be expansive. I do agree with that. And they need to be direct, T. They need to be direct. Because because I also think Souths have the more dynamic back rowers. Kaloa Matangi, Sua and Cam Murray they do. Will, give me mo- will give me more magic than Martin, Capewell and Yo. Yes. But but that Martin, Capewell and Yo will do a job. They'll get through their tackles. They'll make the meters, etc., etc. But Kaloa Matangi, Sua and Cam Murray, can, their back rowers can break the game open. Having said that, the Panthers have the better middle forwards. So Souths need to be a bit more positive with the ball and need Mark Nichols, Tom Burgess, etc. to hold their own and they can get them on the edges, I think. So I think if they try and beat them the way they tried to beat them in week one, I don't think that'll work. First things first, they need to show up in defense like they did in week one, restrict the Panthers to 12, 14 points, yep. and then all they need is two or three tries. And I think where they're going to get those two or three tries from isn't necessarily just Cody Walker magic, but it's those edge back rowers. And Cam Murray. I think that's where they've really got it over. Penrith. That's really the only way I can see the bunnies getting over the Panthers. So I've looked at I've looked at it like a coach. I've looked at it like a coach. Um, if it's a tight game through the middle, South's defense shows up, Penrith's defense shows up. I think Nathan Cleary will, and Adam Reynolds can't kick. Nathan Cleary's kicking game gets them over the line. So they can't fall into that type of game style. So they've got to be a little bit more expansive and their defense has to show up. If their defense doesn't show up, they're dead. I think you've summed it up really well. I think it's the, the, this concept of styles make fight. As much as it hurts you. It does, As yeah. much as it hurts no, you. Styles make fights. I think I, I agree with you to 100% that Souths can't get caught in a grind-out game because they need their expansive footy and their skills with the footy to break the Panthers' defense. Because their defense, especially like we said, if they're allowed to lie in the tackle player and... Dude, you know who they need? You know who Souths need? Latrell Mitchell. If Latrell Mitchell hadn't bloody smacked at Joey Manu in the head and could still play, they might start this game favorites because there is there is no one in the Panthers' back, back line that can stop Latrell. No, no matter how good their defense is. Yes. Mom, Momorowski, Crichton, they're all great players. But Latrell is Latrell. Latrell's got that power that can steamroll some of these guys on the fringe, and right? And speed and everything. He's just, he's just... His lack of sheer pace, the way Penrith are playing, isn't necessarily a relative disadvantage. But in the elite team, when you're playing the elite teams, right? If you play this grand final 10 times, I think Penrith win it eight times. I think the two times the Pan- that Souths can win it is... Yep. Where their defense is really good and they yeah, attack through the but edges. But they've got to, they have to play their game. They can't fall into a grind out game because Penrith's defense and everything else, they're too solid at the moment. It doesn't have to be their game. It doesn't have to be the game they play against, say, 
para or east or or it needs to just be it can't be a grind no, out they game, need is what yeah, I'm saying. that's what yeah. I mean they need to have courage with the footy like the way they played all year but that that's with the I suppose assumption that the defense is going to be as good as it has been so far in the semis so like you say they've got to turn up defensively and I think they can hold Penrith out like you say to 12 points because Penrith's attack has been relatively poor or not as Strong as it used to be. Tarfe's going to get the shit bombed out of him. He absolutely will, sorry. So he's going to have to... He's got a lot on his shoulders, Blake Tarfe. I, I think Walker's got to go hunting for the ball, not just on that left edge. Just to add touches of class around... Because his ball playing will put a Cam Murray through the Why gap. would you... Sorry, sorry. Why on earth would you change to that extent with one game to go? In a, in a, in a, in a, role, in a role he hasn't done in three years. No, I don't mean that. I mean, like, in terms of... You know, he does pop what, up on different sides I mean, of the field sometimes, and that's needed. He, he's lethal on his left side. He is. He's lethal, yeah. But they need him sometimes to... You can't do something... You can't ask him to play a role he hasn't played in three years all of a sudden. In the, I, I think that's playing with fire. I, I think you'll see it. If South's defence turns up, Penrith turns up, I think it's going to be one of lost on Cody Walker's impact. Because, to me, he will put some of these fringe forwards like through a gap or follow them up then they need that ball play magic I think they'll be on the lookout for Cody Walker I think the edge back row has got to be where it's okay. they've got to get Kalo- Kaloma Tangi or Sewer on, on the halves because all the attention is going to be on Cody what I'm saying is yeah, I, yeah. I, yep. I, I mean I've been saying this for a few weeks I, I think they're good hard working consistent never let you down forwards those back rows Liam Martin Kate, Kate Will Isaiah Yo. but Kaloa Matangi can break a bustle tackle past the like these guys have got they, they'll give me an X factor and for Souths to win they need to find some X factor they ain't gonna grind they ain't gonna grind this result out they need Kaloa Matangi to have a big game they need um, Jaden Sua he's brilliant defensively but he needs to run and make, like you say, sort of stretch that defense out a little bit from the Panthers. And I think Souths have got enough in attack, but they really need to play good footy to beat Penrith. Penrith's defense I, has been I think been it's going to be a good grand final. I think it's going to be a good grand final. And the old master, Wayne Bennett, he could be the first, well, he's already the first um, coach in NRL rugby league history to coach four teams to a grand final. But he could be the first coach to win a grand final with three different teams as well. I think it'll be My close. My brain says Penrith is going to win. The last two weeks, they basically just stretched the wolves and dared the refs to beat them. The refs aren't going to penalise them in the grand final. They know that. Everyone knows that, right? So they're going to try it again. They'll just lie over the tackle play and stop South's momentum. But I also think my heart says South because they do have a bit of magic that sometimes some of these other teams, like the instinctual magic that some of these other teams don't always have. They can be quite rigid, or at least they trust it a bit more sometimes. I'm hoping South plays some great football and can really um, put on some points because it will allow Penrith, it will make Penrith have to open up a little bit more as well. But I just, I can't see the way Penrith have defended, honestly, with the legal and illegal tactics against Para, who... Ha- threw everything they could at them, and Melbourne, yes, they were sloppy, but part of it, I think, was Penrith. I don't know if South is going to score enough points to beat them. That's what my brain says, right? This is South's, South could break the curse of scoring 50 points, look, conceding 50 points in a season, in a game, and still You know winning. who's, I think, going to be huge in this game? I think Jai Arrow is going to be massive, because that agility he brings around the middle of the field when Penrith are on a roll to chop some of these guys down is important. Very important. I And I agree with you because I think the Penrith middle is better. Yeah, it is. So so I think the, the whole thing is the Souths have to hold their own through the middle. And Jai Arrow is going to be important, but so is Mark Nichols. So is Damien Cook's going to be really important. Damien Cook's got to run in this game, mate. Well, he was he was great on the weekend. That was the best game I've seen he Damien Cook to. play in a pressure game in a long time, yeah? So I think, I think Souths to win this has got to keep the tempo up. And I think... 
Penrith are going to try and drag the tempo down. My heart says South. Um, even though I respect what Penrith have done, I think it's great when you watch all the, the kids that have grown up together and they're playing together. They're quite joyous. Um, you saw that with Brian Toto's interviews and stuff like that. I don't know what the hell they were doing. I like Brian Toto. I love him. He's, he's brilliant, right? He, he's got a, a good character as well. I think the Jerome Luai, Jerome Luai's going a bit over the top. I can see why he alienates some but people. You can kind of see, like like we said, Crichton, they, they, they've got this little youthful arrogance and like shithousery about them, Penrith, right? They've got shithousery <laughs> they about them, Penrith, that's so right. So you're like, I mean, all teams do to an extent, but they actually do a fair bit. And I just, my heart says South, but God, man, Penrith have been hard to beat since they lost that first game against South. Like they barely let even a breakthrough. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've conceded four tries in three games in the finals, right? So for South to win, they're going to have to score two or three. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. This game, they're not. They, they if if there is under twenty points scored in this game, Penrith wins. Penrith wins. Yeah. Oh, and maybe my memory is failing a little bit, but. Looking at Wayne Bennett's grand final teams in the past, other than that St. George team, which was, I would say, very effective and very boring footy. Well, and, and, but Gaznia made a big difference when he came yes, back he in did, season as well. Yes, he did, but great defensively, that St. George team. Brilliant defensively. Yeah, yeah, and had yeah. enough class with Soward and stuff, right? But his Broncos teams didn't exactly play a different style of football in the grand finals. From memory, no. they were like, you know, well, expansive footy, and they went out there to win the games. No, but I mean, that's what I think he'll do. That's what Wayne does, yeah. right? He, he's, Wayne Bennett's autobiography, Don't Die with the music in you um, and Graham Arnold when he was coaching Sydney FC went and spoke to Wayne Bennett about his secret in the finals and he said the secret is uh, where you where you stuff up in grand finals where you treat it as a different game I, th- I agree with him and I don't think you just go out there that, that South actually don't have any of the pressure I mean I mean get up the odds but I'd be amazed if the Panthers weren't the favorites in the grand they final, would be right? so, they would be because they beat Melbourne they beat Para. And South have had, you know, an easy win against Melbourne. So I would imagine the odds would be in Penrith's favour. But I think, like you say, Wayne Bennett's mentality about that. Penrith, Penrith are $1.65 favourites. South Sydney are $2.30 outsiders. And the line is three and a half points to Souths. Yeah. Given, look, I just think the Panthers have got all the pressure. They lost last year's grand final. If I was Wayne Bennett, I'd go, go out and play what's in front of you. But here's what we need to do. We need to not drop the ball through the middle of the park. We need to be tough, make all our tackles. We need to attack and... Cut down the time Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai have got on the fringes. That's what I'm worried about. If Adam Reynolds can't kick, how do they get field position? They struggled with Cody's not a long kicker. Cody, Cody's not a long kicker. So where does the kicking come from? That's what I'm worried about. Damien, that's why Damien Cook's also important, right? He's got to he's run, got to, change he's got momentum. Take, well, and he's got to take more of the resp- kicking responsibility from dummy half, the way Cam Smith used to. It'll be an interesting game. I think there is a little bit of a style clash to some degree. What makes South great has traditionally the last few years been some of the the magical football that they can play, and Penrith were playing like that, but have really knuckled down and really just focused on defence and being gritty and pushing the rules in a way, and as a result, playing a very grinded out style so it'll be interesting to see how that all works on the day last year i thought it was very clear that pappenheisen was going to be clive churchill for me in this game i honestly couldn't tell you who it's going to be i have a feeling it's going to be someone like you said that it's a a cody walker or it's going to be like a cam murray or someone like that conversely for penrith it might be a a kurt capewell or someone like that who defensively has just basically repelled south for the whole game and done it no no i think if if the pan if the panthers win it'll be it'll be okay well i i think if the Panthers win, I actually think it might be Kurt Capewell. Yeah, I th- I, my, my view is Clive Churchill, if Panthers win, it'll be Nathan Cleary. Okay. Um, if if the Rabbitohs win, I think Cam Murray. Uh, I, I think it'll be... 
Cam Murray or Damian Cook. Okay, interesting. Okay. They're going to be important. Those two players are going to be really important. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good game. It's going to be a great game. Um, and your tip, what is your tip, T? As we know, Mrs. T is a big Panthers supporter. <laughs> she is, yes. And I said to her last year when we went to the, because we went to the yes. grand final together last year. I said to her that I thought the Panthers would win this season. Yes. And, I, and nothing has changed my mind on that. Okay. All right. So you're tipping the Panthers. I, I would tip South if Latrell was playing and Adam Reynolds was I fit. think I'm going to tip Penrith after the last two weeks as well. Yeah. Hart says South. The chances are by the time we do the pod next week, Panthers could still be lying on the tackle <laughs> player and tackle one after t- kickoff. So, um, <laughs> Jared Sutton. Oh, my God. And the Matt Burner knock on, mate. Come on. How clear is day was that? Like, how did you miss that? I don't know what they were watching. They weren't watching the footy. Another thing before we go. Channel 9's coverage. God, I miss Fox. They weren't very good. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, my God. They show the wrong replays. They miss the plays where there's knock-ons and things like that. It's just they're not adding anything now. They really need to freshen up this coverage. And every player is fantastic or whoever their favourites are. It's actually quite... I've been watching Fox a lot more lately, and I have to say I'm a bit disappointed in the Channel 9 coverage. I think footyheads footy heads watch it on Fox. I mean, it's the basics of that. Yeah, and listening to it's the better Andrew coverage. Voss and I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't particularly Alastair. like. I knew Braith. you were going to say Braith's that. Braith's very good. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, just, I don't think he's any good. I don't think he's Cooper much chop. Braith is a bit. He comes across as the stern headmaster, right? Which probably explains why he did so well in Melbourne. He'd have to fight Billy Slade and everyone else, but he knows his shit. Yeah, he does know his shit. Oh god. Okay. All right. That brings us to the close of the penultimate GNT yeah. show. Sum up the season next week. We will sum up the season next week. Hopefully, celebrate the grand finalists. Talk about both teams. I'm really looking forward to this grand final. I hope you all have. Stay safe and enjoy the little bit of escapism that is our pod and the grand final this weekend. Hugely exciting. And our last pod is next week for the season. So we'll thank a few people as well. We'll talk again next week. G, we thank will. You. Looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to your man bun getting a buzz cut in a few weeks too. Thanks, Gladys. I appreciate it. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the back burn. Thank you. See you All later. All right. See ya. Bye.